am I ready? Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Take the next 40 odd minutes to get your hands on some tips and tools that will get you working at your best in both your business and your personal life. Hi everybody and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Cannot believe we're already in February. The uh, January just flew by. If you are new to our show, welcome. Thanks so much for taking the time to tune in. If you're a regular Mojo White, welcome back. As you can see, we've had a cracking start to the year and we really have got some super guests lined up. And uh, in fact, today's show is a pretty special one because we have two guests talking about dreams. But uh, before we get into the show, uh, Robbo, good to have you in the studio, mate. How was your uh, Australia Day, mate? Australia Day was ginormous, to say the least. I had a great day. Ginormous, what you Ginormous. Maybe just, uh, just with the family, barbecue in the back backyard. And, and the grass-fed um, beef? Well, I'm still waiting for the sample bag. <laughs> for Ridgeline. For Ridgeline. I haven't seen one yet. Yeah, What's going on? That, that took a nasty turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, I got you covered, buddy. Don't worry about that. I'll, I'll be bringing it down. Beauty. No, the special thing about Australia Day for me is um, obviously spending it with the family, but it's also my um, my mum's birthday on the 27th, All so right. it's a bit of a double celebration, which is nice. What about you? Mate, I went to um, to Tamworth for the Country Music Festival with the Australian Country Music Royalty Hangout. Ah, very nice. It was... Um, very nice. That was your first time up there, wasn't it? It was, mate. i got to say, and I immersed myself into it, it was... Um, it was a, it's, it's really worth going. I, I saw over 100 acts in three days that wow. you wouldn't normally get to see. It's just the streets, the cafes, the pubs, the clubs, the RSLs. It's all pumping with music. You just walk around and hang out for a couple of songs and move on. And um, the whole place is chockers full of music. And it's, it's mostly free, which is uh, which is awesome. Yeah, that sounds good. I, but I'll tell you who I did bump into that mm. I had a, a fantastic time with was Henry Wagons. Ah, Remember, we spoke um, about them a couple of weeks ago or a month yeah. or so ago. Yeah. And uh, I, by chance, looked through the program and saw Henry Wagons, went and caught up with him, and he did the uh, Willie. Willie. Uh, Remember Willie Nelson? Yeah. This one. Um, he's described as the cross between Nick Cave and Johnny Cash, and uh, he was honestly, he is fantastic. So I caught up with Henry Wagons. Um, then there's the regular people like Lee Kernigan and Catherine Britt and Casey mm. Chambers and so on. And uh, I got backstage passes to McAllister Kemp, mm. uh, 10,000 people to close the show, which was absolutely awesome. Gee, those guys are good. In fact, yeah. I might uh, I might try and get one of the boys on the show actually because they were. Um, they were good. So that was all the Australian royalty, plus a stack mm. of buskers and stuff. Mm. Um, but the other thing was uh, international royalty. Kenny Rogers was there. Oh, Kenny. Yes. Oh, I love a bit of Kenny. Sold out. 5,000 people. Wow. That's not bad, mm. is it? Funny mm. you should mention Kenny Rogers too, by the way. Why? Well, believe it or not, we've actually had an email. So, so for the first time in 17 episodes, I can actually play this. Have you checked your email this morning, Mulder? No, why? Because I received something unsettling and I wondered if you'd gotten it too. The Mojo Mailbag. So we've got a, hang on, does that mean we have a mailbag? We've, we've got a mailbag and it's got a letter in it. <laughs> <laughs> and who's the letter? And tell, tell me, Darren. Yes. I've never told you that before. Tell me, Robbo, um, 
Who's the letter from? Well, speaking of royalty, it's from Kyle Middleton. I think it's oh, I think right. it's Kate's Kate's little known younger brother. Yeah, let's roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to, do, I'll tell you what it says. It says, hi, I know it's not your kind of song, but me and my girlfriend are into it, and I was wondering if you could play Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers for Christina. Much appreciated, and if it can be done, let her know I love her and things will get better. Oh, Okay. So there you go. Things don't sound too good for old Kyle. So let's maybe we should help him out. Let's uh, let's hope that Kyle doesn't go from that into the gambler where it's nowhere to hold him, nowhere to fold him. Keep holding him, Kyle. Hang on there, buddy. Yeah, that's right, mate. Get it by the reins and ride that thing out, buddy. <laughs> so just for Kyle, here we go. Another Mojo Show love song dedication. Okay, that's probably about as much Kenny Rogers as I can handle in one sitting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hope that helped, Kyle. Now, I um, I got approached by somebody yeah. uh, the other day in the street, which was um, quite odd, someone who knew me and had listened to right. the Mojo radio show. And he said, you're to blame. <laughs> Uh, And they talked about last week's show and had a tip. Now, at the start of the show, we talked about how to make 2015 your most productive year yet. Yep. And one of the tips or tools we spoke about was picking a word to focus on Mm. for to make it like your theme for the year. Yeah, mine's team. Yep, and exactly. And their suggestion was that to make that word for the year your password that you use to get into... I don't what know, your a bank great idea. or iTunes or Evernote yeah. or you know how we're always having to come up with passwords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you change your things to that word, so your password for the bank and iTunes and everything else would be team. Yep. Um, and that means that you're going to be using it every day and it keeps it in front of you, which I thought was a cracker. Okay, that's a fantastic idea. What's yours mm. going to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> if, I, if I thought you had any money in the bank, I'd be laughing. And if, and if I shared your musical tastes, I'd be laughing. That's right, exactly. So, but not, so there you go. So I thought that was a so thank you for uh, for that tip. Yeah, from that's the a street. brilliant idea. Mm. So we've got a mailbag and we're taking stuff from the street now. We sound like a, sound like a real radio show. Oh, mate, I tell you what, it's, it's all happening this year, isn't it? It's taken off. So enough of that. Let's get into the show, mate. Big show this week. Let's roll. I have a dream. Everybody say I have a dream. The Mojo Radio Show. So this week's show is dedicated to the dreamers amongst us. And we have two guests on the line today. The first guy we're going to speak to, well, he had a dream of having his own coffee company, as I think... <laughs> A lot of us would have had that dream, either a Hands coffee up. company or, or a brewery. <laughs> Hands up. But he's, uh, he started his own coffee company and uh, has gone very, very well. So in some, some may say that this guy is actually living the dream. Mm. It's one of my neighbours. Okay. Yeah. No, this, is, this is quite, just settle back, get a mm. cup of coffee. I've got one. Uh, which is appropriate. Mm. And um, I moved to the country a couple of years ago and then I discovered that around the riverbend that I live on, a couple of k's on the riverbend, there was a coffee roaster. Oh, that's dangerous. So, yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And I'm thinking, 
you know, how good can a roaster really be in the middle of central west New South Wales, mm. you know, next to a farm? Mm. So I did some research and I found out that AKA the- AKA drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the, and it was the Fish River Roasters. And it turns out that they are a multi-award-winning coffee company. Um, and you're and only telling me this in, now? You've been holding out on me? Yeah, You've I been have. holding out on me, well, yeah. I don't want anyone else to notice in case I run out of beans. <laughs> but this is really interesting, Robbo, because mm. um, they have won 15 coffee awards over the last few years, including the Royal Sydney Show and the wow. National Golden Bean Competition. Yep. And they won again this year, mm. and it's their sixth year in a row they've won medals at the mm. Golden Beans, which is the most prestigious um, coffee awards, I guess, in the country. Mm. And we came across um, Pete Harrison, who is the guy who runs the business. Yep. And um, I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years. Mm. And I just find the story that he's got and how he's gone about doing this to create such a, a unique and successful coffee company mm. um, to be fascinating. So I got Pete um, on the line. So um, Pete Harrison, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, buddy. Hey, guys. Thanks very much for having me on. Hey, Pete. Hey, Robert. By way of disclosure, um, we are sitting here drinking Fish River Roast. Oh, is that why this coffee's so good? Mm. <laughs> Let's just say it's a hell of a lot better than the uh, dishwashy <laughs> liquid I normally get in the studio. What's wrong with the this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the good stuff. It's the Makona. <laughs> That's right. So, hello, to, hello to all our friends at Makona. Um, <laughs> there goes that sponsorship deal. <laughs> <laughs> it was just about across the line. Um, Pete, tell us, just tell us a little bit about the Fish River Roasters, mate. Okay, well, it's, it, uh, we started as a company in 2006, uh, but previous to that, uh, I'd had a, a cafe uh, in, in Bathurst, so a town in the Central West, and uh, I'd started roasting coffee there for the cafe back in 1999, and all that came out of, I guess, a coming together of a, a long-held interest in coffee through the 90s. I, I, did, a, uh, I did something no Australian uh, had ever done before, and that was go and work in a restaurant in London. <laughs> I think I was the first to do that. Uh, so I was actually working over there with a bunch of Aussies, but more importantly, um, uh, some Italian guys and one particularly passionate Kiwi guy that, that were really into coffee. And the, the state of coffee in, in London at that time, it's still pretty rubbishy, but it was certainly bad then. And uh, the Italian guys said, look, you've got to go to this place, Bar Italia in, in Soho. It's the only place in London you're really going to get much uh, in the way of coffee. So we went along with the, the Italian guy and the Kiwi guy. And... Um, Sure enough, there's a guy there with an old gadget with, you know, the, the old uh, piston lever uh, machine just pumping out oh, loads no. of these little short blacks. <laughs> and it just was sensational. I thought, yeah. wow, I've been drinking these frothy cappuccinos and and uh, and here are these guys doing these amazing little shorties and, you know, beautiful little espressos. And uh, they took me around the corner to, to another mate of theirs who was roasting coffee. And sort of the, that was, I suppose, as close to an epiphany as I've ever had in my life. I thought, hang on, <laughs> hang on, mm. this is this is not just fascinating, but but something that uh, I'd really love love to get into. Mm. So I came back to Australia uh, with with the plan of of, uh, of starting a cafe, and then hopefully one day roasting uh, coffee for that cafe. And look, as luck would have it, my my parents live out they're, they're farming folk, so they, they live out sort of. Uh, 
around Canoundra Way, and my wife's family's from Orange. And so I had been working in Sydney up to then, but I decided that I'd go over this side of the mountains and, and we'd, we'd start a cafe over here, which we did. And, and then, yeah, as, as luck would have it, we, uh, we found a little roaster and started roasting, uh, as I said, in 1999. And, and then the, the roasting side of the cafe operation just started to grow and grow, and, and we started supplying a few cafes and restaurants around the region. And uh, it sort of got its own legs from there. All of a sudden, I was doing probably more roasting than I was actually sort of cafe yeah. <laughs> operations. <laughs> and so in the end, uh, we decided to bite the bullet and get a much bigger roaster and, uh, and, and set up out of town on the, uh, on, on the banks of the Fish River where, where we'd uh, chosen to live. And so that's how I came to be downstream from you, Gary. Gee, that's such a great story, Pete. And I just... I just hope that going into the new year, people take heed of that, that it's it's the serendipity of how things can happen, but then having the courage to see something and going, you know what, this this would be something I would really like to get into and then taking the steps. Did you, when you were starting, Pete, and you had the cafe and you started to do more roasting than probably cafe work, did you have a dream in mind of what you thought you wanted to create for a coffee company, like a roaster? I, I had it as an idea, and I suppose it was the time that uh, guys like Toby Smith in Sydney had started up, um, Will at Campos had got underway as well. So those guys had started, um, you know, there, there was that sort of early movement of, of specialty coffee uh, in Australia. And so I, I sort of, you know, was, was swept up in that, that wave to a certain yeah, degree. Yeah, yeah. But I guess being, being regional, um, I thought, oh, is it too big a leap to make just yet? And, and I sort of, sort of tried to gauge the market a little bit. And fortunately, because we, we did have the, the cafe, it's allowed me to transition across from, from one to the other. Uh, to, to sort of really, really make it happen. But I'd have to say what actually drove uh, the coffee roasting operation was just the fascination with, with coffee uh, and just the never-ending yeah. uh, ability to... T- there's always new things happening with coffee. It's always... The more you know, the more you realise you, you need to know. You, you, used to get, you know, went to a conference last year and I'm sitting beside this guy and chatting away to him and thinking you know, sort of talking about what we're doing and hopefully didn't say anything too over the top because then he was actually the next presenter and turns out he's a guy called Jose Riviera who, who, uh, who runs an international coffee chemistry consulting company. So I had a bit of a, a, bit of a laugh with him after and a few beers. It turns out, you know, he's just the most amazing bloke and what he doesn't know about the, the actual chemistry, the science of coffee yeah. and what happens during the roasting process is just not worth knowing. So, you know, it's, you sort of meet those kind of people and you go, wow, there's this whole other world, a whole other level. Did you believe you could do it, Pete? When you started this as a dream, particularly being in rural, like being away from the city where Campos and Toby's and maybe Dean Merlo up in Brisbane, like the big guys in the metro areas, did you believe you could do it when you started? Look, there was there was a lonely twelve months there with just me sitting beside the roaster. Sounds <laughs> 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 familiar, familiar Robert. Yeah, me standing beside the console. <laughs> we might might have uh, might have driven down a little career cul-de-sac. It certainly there was uh, some some real uh, some real moments there. <laughs> but. Uh, it was amazing once once we started to get momentum, and I guess what really we had a um, you know once we started winning some medals in competition, we really started 
to, to get some interest from, from all over the, the, the state, certainly all over the region. And, and it sort of coincided, I guess, particularly in our part of the world, with a real movement into food and wine and, and eating and drinking locally and an interest in you know, what people are doing in uh, the Central West. And, you know, you see it with everything from, like, a mate of mine's got a distillery and producing gin and vodka and things like that. You know, the guys up the hill from us, Gary, are growing truffles, you know. Yeah. There's, oh. there's, this, there's this sort of amazing sort of momentum in, you know, I suppose doing sort of more boutique-style uh, businesses and food, food and wine-based businesses as well. So sort of coincided luckily with that. So, yeah, there were certainly moments where I just thought, oh, <laughs> what have I done? But then after about 12 months, we really started going. We won those, those awards, that first batch of awards, and really it's just sort of grown from there. Is it everything you dreamed of, Pete? There are some moments in a day where I just have to pinch myself and go, yeah. oh, wow, yeah. it worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not to say there still isn't plenty of things we need to do differently or try and improve on. I mean, that's the sort of case, I think, with any... Any business, you know, you should never really be, be satisfied with, okay, this is good enough. You know, I think we constantly look at, um, you know, what we're doing, not just in terms of coffee, but, but in terms of our systems and our processes and, you know, are we supporting our customers, our, our cafe and restaurant customers? So, Pete, you um, you had this dream, you had the cafe going, which, and I must say, that was the hub, right? Is that, that was the hub you had in Bathurst? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in its previous incarnation. It was called Zebra's when we had it, but... Um, Roscoe, who now runs the hub there in Bathurst and, and has gone on to do great things with it, used to work for us as well. So it's kind of a nice little time there. Just putting a shout out to Ross and the guys at the hub because it is a cracking, cracking cafe. If you're getting, <laughs> if you're going through this part, wouldn't you agree, Pete? If you're going through this part and you're stopping in Bathurst, um, it's just the food, the service, and the brew is just terrific. And they are as dedicated a bunch of barista that you'll find anywhere. Mm. When we think of regions, we think of, you know, like the Margaret River, we think of the Barossa Valley, we think of the Hunter Valley for wine. Did you, when you were starting out, did you come across issues of people going, like Gary said, um, coffee from Bathurst, you know, really? You know, that can't be that good. Did, did you sort of find that that was an issue at all or, did, or was that not so much of a problem at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, spot on, Robert. Mm. I mean, I think, um, you know, there is sometimes a certain mentality uh, you know, for, particularly for folks from Sydney, that, that the world stops somewhere at Katoomba and it's pretty much the outback all the way to Perth. Yeah. Uh, so it's changed a lot, you know, and I, I think people are discovering towns like Mochi, Orange, and all the beautiful little villages in between. So I think where what we're seeing in this part of the world, at least, is, is a... Uh, something like uh, a regional food and wine sort of culture and style, yeah. similar to what you might find in, in, in the Hunter. Uh, but it's much more at a, at a grassroots sort of level. Like, you know, a couple of months ago, I was at a uh, just a gathering, you know, social gathering. Someone brought along some black truffles, someone brought along some pasta they'd made. Another bloke brought along uh, a Hungarian guy actually had just shot a deer that was that run feral around our, our oh, really? Really. <laughs> yeah, and made a made a venison goulash to go Ooh, on top of yeah. it, uh, top of wow. a, a little pasta and black truffle uh, number. And I was thinking, man, we've come a long way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, Matt, go back yeah. 40 years and tell a farmer in Bathurst that he'd be eating goulash with truffles and see the sands <laughs> he gets. <laughs> <laughs> Tomato sauce sandwiches it would have been, yeah, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
If somebody has an interest, they are endlessly fascinated in whatever field it may be, and they'd like to make a career out of it, build a business out of it, be an entrepreneur, what was the very first step you took and what, what advice would you give to somebody to get them to start to do something? I think in a lot of ways, just follow your fascination. Follow what intrigues you and, and, and use that use that energy that comes from doing something that you just, it, you know, it's effortless. You, you kind of don't even feel like you're, you're working some of the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's obviously bits of it, but particularly just follow that fascination and use that as your energy to, to really, really drive, drive, um, drive you forward. And I think sometimes you probably... You don't want to focus. It's good to have a, a dream. It's great to have a dream, and great to have have you know I suppose big aspirations. But sometimes it's almost better to have all uh, micro aspirations. You know that, that yeah. you just want to achieve uh, some smaller some smaller goals, some smaller short term goals. You know, just talk getting out and talking to people about what you what you're doing, getting the word around, and and those first. I reckon the hardest part is getting your first five customers. Because once you've got yes. five customers, you've got an installed base you can look at, you know, and, and point at and go, hey, these guys are using us. And, and, and that then starts to generate momentum. So I would, I would just say that the fascination be the, the thing that drives you and, and then just, just try and focus on the short-term goals of just, you know, getting a few customers, getting it out there, and then, um, and then going from there. I mean, I think everyone, a lot of people sort of dream about uh, – working for themselves and the only downside of that is you can can turn out that your new boss can be a bit of an idiot at times so you know it, it takes a bit of adjustment sometimes my <laughs> boss has got no idea <laughs> yeah shout out to Tanae yeah. if you're listening yeah, Robbo's wife that's right <laughs> <laughs> um, I um Robbo I think there's gold in them their beans there's definitely gold in them their beans I mean, I love Pete. I, I got to say, mate, that is so profound. I um, I love that micro aspirations mm. and concentrate on your first five customers. That is, mm. mate. That um, that's that that's just paid for the session. That's yeah. just paid for itself. You know what else I take out of this session? A career cul-de-sac. I love that. <laughs> career career cul-de-sac. Mate, that's going in the uh, that's going in highlights package, Robert. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that one where you find yourself doing a you know a fifteen point turn at the bottom of the career cul-de-sac, <laughs> and haven't we all been there at least once? <laughs> Pete, um, those times when you sat with your roaster, cuddling your roaster, it was warm, it smelled good. You were sitting there during those times before you had your first five customers, or even now that you've got you know, quite a wide distribution through Sydney and the Central West and up towards Orange and so on, and things are going good. How do you personally handle I mean, I know you're a positive guy and I always love being around you and talking. We always have a great time talking. There are those times when you have those dark times, those voices of doubt. How do you personally handle them? Um, yeah, and everyone does. I mean, no matter what you're doing, I think there are those moments when, you know, just things aren't going right. And I think whenever... Whenever I am really, you know, struggling with what to do next, I, I always just think I, I start from the customers and work my way back. So I start, I, I go out, I see some customers, talk to them about what they're doing, and then just work my way backwards from from there. So if we're trying to work out 
um, you know, um, what do we do to differentiate ourselves? Probably one of the big things we, we uh, brought in was to have a dedicated trainer and a dedicated espresso machine technician because it's, and that started from, you know, we are trying to work out how do we compete against the big boys, you know, that come in and, and offer you all the outdoor furniture and, uh, you know, all the bits and pieces, you know, how do we, how do we compete with that? And for us, it was about, uh, it came from me going out to a customer and, you know, him going, oh, you know, I've just lost my good barista. So I've had to promote a couple of people. They're not that great. We really need help with training. And this is going back a few years before mm. coffee companies really did that. And mm. so I thought, training, training. So we really sort of started to look at, okay, we, we, we've got good beans and, and we do our level best to make them great. Uh, but what else can we do? And uh, Rubber Pete has great trainers. I mean, hi out to um, to Sandra and Joe from the Avenue Cafe in O'Connell. Um, I've done work with the girls and them showing me because I don't make a very good brew. But I, um, the girls, honestly, you do have excellent trainers, Pete. They, um, the girls are terrific. <laughs> They're great. I think it helps because Sandra's had a background in early childhood education, so I think she uses, uh, you know. <laughs> that's, why she, that's, that's why Gary goes to her. Is that right, Gary? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I've just learned to count to ten. That's right. When, you, when she sits you on the naughty step, you know, uh, the things have really come bad for you. And today's show is brought to you by the letter B and the colour red. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, Pete, this has been... Um, just something else, just just to reflect on something you said then was um, when things do go pear-shaped and you are facing those dark times and those ghosts come up and start, you know, voices of doubt, what intrinsically we do is we start with ourselves and we start with our own business and internally and our people and our systems and we look at ourselves and scold ourselves. But that that was quite a spin on that where you say start with the customer and work your way backwards. I think that's very profound, mate. I... um. That coffee's obviously working. It must be something in their beans. <laughs> That's right. If you drink enough of it, you know, uh, <laughs> you turn into one. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Pete, we're going to get back to you. No, day, no, no. Hang on. Ro- you, you can't. Oh, I'm sorry, Gary. You can't end a session with a coffee roaster without asking the most important question of the day, which is, "How do I brew the perfect brew?" <laughs> Robo, have we got like another two or three hours of podcast? Tell, telescope it for me. Give me the important points. Okay, my one big tip yep. for for people making coffee at home mm. is get yourself a good grinder and learn how to use it. Okay. It's all in the grind. So yep. obviously I'd put a plug in for, for us and any of the other boutique roasters that are doing mm. interesting things with coffee. Mm. Um, start with some good beans. But make sure you know, make sure you've got a good grinder and make sure you know how to, to work it, to adjust it. And if you do that, I mean, the, the difference often between a, a good cup of coffee and someone that's making great coffee is their ability to really make a, a beautiful and perfect shot. And that comes down to, to the grinder and, and how it's set up. So that's the one big tip. Okay, so I've set up my grinder here. And, and the way I judge that I've got a good grind is by the crema on the top of that first pour. If I get a really nice thick crema on top does that mean i'm on the right track yeah exactly and look for for um for, for people listening if you what you want is an extraction time so from the moment if you've got your espresso machine mm-hmm. from the moment you press that button to mm-hmm. start your extraction you want it to pour reasonably slowly so it's that sort of finding the yin and yang too too fast and you'll end up with a, a bitter 
quite astringent coffee, mm-hmm. too slow and you end up with a burnt one. You're aiming yep. for somewhere around about 25 to 30 seconds. Now, coffee nerds will get themselves into an arm wrestle over extraction times and what the ideal extraction time mm-hmm. is. Uh, but, but really anywhere around about that 25 second zone, you know you, you've got a, a reasonably good pour. So you're after around about 30 mils in around about 30 seconds. Beautiful. 30-30, I can remember that. 30-30, that's the rule. And if, if you're a hardcore Robbo, mm. the first brew that comes out of your machine, mm. it's a dedication to your homies. The second <laughs> brew is the one that you would serve. Is that right, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly right, guys. <laughs> so, Pete, um, there are, we've got people listening from all over the world, which we're very thankful for. Um, if people want to get a hold of your brew, which is the Fish River Roast, and I, I personally and say this with all, all sincerity, it is a fantastic coffee. Um, where can people get a hold of it? Oh, look, they can jump on the net uh, and... And that's probably the best way to, to order it if they're sort of around and about uh, in Australia. We don't ship internationally at the moment, but uh, look, if anyone's listening and wants to open up the Istanbul branch of Fish River Roasters, then... Uh, <laughs> Istanbul. Please <laughs> call. Shout out to our Istanbul listeners. They drink a lot of coffee over there. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of good coffee in Istanbul. Um, just, um, just one final thing, mate. Um, because I, I'm into my coffee and, and Robbo and I do discuss coffee a lot on this program. Um, why, why is Fish River so good? Why are you winning so many medals at the Golden Bean, which is the most prestigious awards in this country and all the guys go for it? What, what would you say is the, is the secret to why you are doing so well? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I think it's... If I could put it down to one thing, it's relentless attention to detail. And mm. we, we just obsess about what's going on with our coffee. And, you know, I think it pays off in the longer run. You know, you, it's like any any sort of business. There are things you could do that would make it cheaper or things you could do that would be a shortcut. But my, I have a horrible affliction. I'm a pretty laid-back person generally about most things. But if... The only thing that can bring me undone is if I'm unhappy with any aspect of our coffee mm. and I become a horrible, can-kicking, you know, tantrum-throwing human being. And so <laughs> it's in everyone's interest within the organisation for me to be happy. So for anybody listening who's interested in trying this brew, it's fish, as in fish, river roasters, Dot com dot au. Is that correct, Pete? That's us. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Very, yeah. And I would just say to people, um, the espresso blend we run mostly. Um, I'm also a fan of the hub blend that you'll see on the website, which is designed by you and Ross, isn't it, from the hub in Bathurst? Yeah, that's, that's right. Lots of roasting and tasting and post-roasting ales uh, we've led to that creation of the hub blend. Yeah, I do love that, bro. I think, and I, I, I think it's a, a cracking, cracking coffee. The other two that I would throw out there for, it's hard to find a good decaf, but the water decaf, water filter decaf you do, my mum is a decaf drinker and she loves it. And the other one, for any aficionados who just like something different, who are into experimentation, I would also highly recommend they have a crack at the tiger snake blend. <laughs> I was going to mention that. I love the way you came up with the name for that one. <laughs> yeah, that, t- 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 tell us a story, Pete. Well, um, 
lovely bloke Aaron who was working with us and again he's just uh, come back from overseas with a whole batch of new ideas for coffee but um, we were creating this new blend and uh, it was it was 50-50 we were playing around with the name and, and someone then called it half-half and then that degenerated into someone misheard it and and some you know but there was a shout across the, the roastery hey would you like a cup of half-half and the guy on the roaster thought he said uh, a cup of half arse. And <laughs> then <laughs> that name internally stuck like glue and it was known as the half arse blend uh, for quite a while <laughs> while we were working on it. And we decided for marketing reasons alone that was probably pretty poor. <laughs> and so we, we added uh, a really nice Kenyan and an Ethiopian yoga chef uh, into, into the mix of it. And then it became something we were really happy with and we were just doing the final trials, and I was outside the roastery at Fish River where there's fixing something on my, my ute, and, and Aaron came out and he said, I, I think we've got it, I think we've got it. Anyway, we're, there's a bit of long grass just near where I was, and the Fish River's got a fair few tiger and brown snakes in it, as you know, Gary. And he handed me a cup, and we're, and we're kind of we're tasting the wine going, oh, man, I think this is it, I think this is the one. And then as we were doing that, the grass beside us started wiggling, which can mean only one thing, that one of our reptilian friends was nearby. Oh. So it sort of led to a, you know, a quite rapid exit from, from there, you know. <laughs> and we got like that old Indian tradition of naming your, your child after the first thing you see when you step outside the teepee. We might just borrow that methodology and, and it became the tiger snake after that. Lovely. I, got, I just got, I was reading the website and I got this mental picture of you with this brand new brew, holding it up, trying not to spill it while bolting across the compound. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Doing 100 metres in, in, you know, 12.5 seconds while not spilling it. It's a really interesting brew. It's definitely, people, particularly if people like to experiment and like something different just to try, um, I would definitely get a couple hundred grams of that and uh, run it through your, um, run it through your, your grinder. Um, Pete, thank you so much, mate. It's been a terrific, terrific catch up. We're big fans um, of what you're doing and everything else, and um, I hope the dream continues for you, mate. Yeah, oh, look, cheers, Gary, and, and thanks, Lolo, and, and thanks to everyone for listening. And, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's this time of year people tend to reassess the, you know, what they're doing in their, in their lives. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, if you've got that, that interest, that passion, you know, make that your dream and just, just follow that. That's my final words. <laughs> and wise words they are. Thanks, Pete. Say good day to all the girls and all the folks back there at the Fish River Roasters. We'll see you soon, mate. Shall do. Cheers, Gary. Cheers, Robert. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. So we're going from coffee to handstands, Bertie. Is that right? Yeah, we are, Robbo. And just, uh, it was last week I read an article on mindbodygreen.com. It was a blog. And it's a very, very cool website to visit for anybody listening. We'll put a link in the show notes to the blog that I'm going to make reference to. But I read about a lady who did a handstand every day for a year. And it wasn't just the kind of the activity that caught my attention, but when I read through what Lauren had taken out of that exercise and the learnings and the way it changed the world, it was, it was such an interesting read. And I just thought there was a lot more to it than just doing handstands every day for a year. So um, I believe we've got Lauren. You got Lauren on the phone there from Montreal, mate? I do. Lauren, how are you? Well, how are you? We're so well, it's not funny. <laughs> now, Lauren Ruddick is all the way from Montreal, and mm. get this, Robbo, is an international yoga instructor, which I think is super wow. cool. International. Um, 
Inthia, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to dig into today because it kind of is just this amazing lifestyle you've got. Lauren, can you just give us a, a, a snapshot for anybody listening into your world, what you do, and how you go about doing it? Sure. My world is a bit of a whirlwind. Um, I travel around the world teaching yoga in the form of workshops or retreats in different locations, in studios or in beautiful this uh, beautiful venues or in interesting cultural locations, and I invite other people to join me and practice yoga with me. Wow. So, Lauren, just, just on that, um, what was your dream? When you started doing this, you must have – was there a dream that you had in mind of your utopia world? Yeah, so basically my journey of yoga started with me leaving on a whim, and then I continued to travel after that and accept different kinds of jobs. But what resonated with me was how much I missed yoga. And then one day I went to a yoga conference in Hong Kong and I was, for the first time I saw that there was an industry around here. And it was an industry of people who were really mindful and positive business practices. And I was so inspired by these individuals who were so knowledgeable and had made careers at teaching yoga. And so it was that moment that I decided I want to be in this industry of yoga teaching. So I continued to educate myself in yoga and then a year later, I came home to Montreal and started teaching full-time. Mm. And then I found a magazine one day, a woman who was so beautiful. She just really inspired me with this one photo. And I looked her up online, and I saw that she had this tour schedule of teaching and traveling around the world. And the moment I saw that, I said to myself, that's a thing? Teaching yoga and traveling is a thing? Mm. That has to be my thing. Mm. And so from that moment, I started to work my way towards becoming an international instructor. What a great way. That, that's, a, that's a beautiful story about someone who's chasing their dream. Um, we'll come back a little bit to, to what sits behind the yoga and some of the bits um, before we finish with you, Lauren. But let's, let's get on to the handstand a day for a year. What, what was your thinking behind that? The original thought was, holy shit, I'm so old. I've got to figure out a way to stay young at heart. Lauren, I'm looking at your webpage. You're not old. I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) You should see the studio here. If you want to see old, you should see your producer right now. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, right before my my 28th birthday. It was the eve of my 28th birthday, and I was like, fuck, I'm almost 30. I'm so fucking old. What am I going to expect myself? I know. So... I decided I wanted to stay playful and stay young at heart, and I was like, fuck this. I'm only as old as I, I convinced myself I am, and I want to be playful, and I want to be young, so I'm going to do something really silly and ludicrous every day. Oh, a handstand. That seems weird. So I decided <laughs> to do a handstand every day for a year, and I put out a call to action online, and I said, hey, I'm doing a handstand every day for a year. If anybody wants to join me, use this hashtag, hashtag handstand365. Choose a day to start. Do a handstand every day for a year. Fantastic. Today, there's 42,000 photos on Instagram floating around of other people handstanding and wow. using this hashtag. 42,000. Mm. Yeah. Gary, do you know what that is? That's 41,999 more people than we have listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but we're, we're trying hard. <laughs> and once you and I start posting photos, maybe that is what we need to do for our show. Start when doing we, handstands and posting photos. When we start posting photos, there'll be 42,000 more people <laughs> listening to this show. The one we have will have dropped out. It's too bad this is 
is radio and not television because, you know, if this is a television segment, you know I'd yeah. be making you do handstand right now. Yeah. Well, maybe, Gary, hell. what we should do is post a video of you and now I tried and do a handstand just for the hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it if you do it. Um, <laughs> just keep your clothes on, okay? So, Lauren, I, um, I read your blog, which I, I, I thought was terrific. And so that's what really caught my eye and that's why I wanted to talk to you because um, tell, me, tell me the unexpected learnings that came from it. I, I love the vibe behind it. You did this thing, but there were things that surprised you, weren't there? the community that arose from this was a shock. I did not expect all these people to join in, and I did not expect people to email me and message me about it, or sometimes even stop me on the street and say, hey, I started your handstand challenge, and it's so great. I feel so strong and empowered. That was a total shock, just the community that built up and seeing people online supporting each other and giving tutorials yeah. to each other. That was the first really amazing thing that came out of it. Personally, it was cool to see that I could commit to something for a year, to do something every day, and note the progress of it. Hmm. And by the end of the year, handstands became easy for me and you know, became something that I, I was quite good at, whereas you know I was maybe only mediocre at the beginning of the year. So that was really neat as well. And just to realize that if you stop for a moment each day and be really in the moment, it can embedder your whole life. When you're upside down in a handstand, you can't really be anywhere else. If your focus wavers, you're falling. Mm. And so it was a really great opportunity to be mindful, even if just for 10 seconds every day, it changed me. It made me feel grateful and it made me be aware of how and when I could add elements of play into my life and how I could add elements of being present. That's great. That's gold. That's gold. You know, that is, uh, there's gold in them, their handstands. It's, um, it's so beautiful because, Lauren, I, I, hearing what you say, people, people aren't living in the moment. They're not spending their time getting good at something and perfecting something. There's so much power in something as simple as that. And now there's obviously a lot of people who share the same vibe because you've created a movement, haven't you? You've created a community around this. Yeah, the human connection that arise, arose from this was such a delightful and surprising mm. side effect. Mm. That's been so cool. Mm. If somebody is listening to this and they love hearing your story, and they want to do their own version of this, Lauren. If you were them, what, what would you do? What would you tell them to do immediately? Well, think about an aspect of your life that you want to change or something that maybe weighs on you. For me, it was the sense of feeling older and not serious. And Sorry, older and too serious. So if there's something mm. in your life that you feel like you need to change, think about one little, tiny little tidbit that you can do each day. And that'll be a catalyst for that change, even if it mm. seems unrelated, mm. you know. Um, and it doesn't have to take a lot of time. A handstand every day and snapping a photo of it takes, you know, anywhere from 10 seconds to a minute. Mm. It's not a lot of time, but it, it's a life changer and it's a game changer to realize that you can do something mm. every day. You can make time to do something every day. Mm. There's, there's so much power in this. Um, Lauren, looking through your... Facebook, your Instagram, your website, and something we talked about before we started the show is that you've created your own brand, and I have to totally agree with that. It's, a, it's got a beautiful tone, a beautiful feeling to it. Um, 
your photography is pretty amazing. How, for someone who's watching this and has their own personal brand or is about to create their own personal brand, how have you gone about presenting your photography and the tone of what you do? Is there any secrets or, or tips you would share with somebody? Hmm, good question. To be honest, it's, it's about authenticity. My brand is about being authentic and my photos speak to where I am in the moment and what I'm doing and how I feel. And when I first started teaching yoga and also having a presence online, I was quite afraid of that. I thought, well, if I'm a yoga teacher, I'm supposed to have to be a certain way. I should be zen or I should be calm all the time and only present images of me, you know, wearing white clothes on a very peaceful-looking backdrop with my eyes closed and meditating. But that's not who I am every day. Who I am is a vibrant, colorful person with a lot of energy. And when I started being true to myself and putting that across, that's when people started responding because it was real. Mm. And so that's my advice for someone who's starting to build a brand is just be authentic. And if you're true to yourself, you never have to make anything up and you never have to worry what you're posting or what you're saying because it's real. And who, who takes all your photos for you? Do, you? do you hand the camera to someone who's nearby and say, can you take a photo of me in this pose? Or do you, I mean, how, how do you get such beautiful shots? It totally depends. I have a timer on my phone. It's an app. And so sometimes I just sit my phone down and I walk off somewhere and do some yoga and hope for the best. Sometimes photographers approach me and ask if they want to shoot together, and I always say yes, because why not collaborate with new people and why not see someone's perspective on what you do? I think that's really cool. Mm. And sometimes, especially with the handstand challenge, I would hand my phone to a stranger and have them snap a photo. And that was also a very hilarious and fun aspect of it was that if you give your phone to a stranger, first of all, they're surprised because you're handing them this like valuable instrument. And then the second thing is when you flip upside down and do a handstand, they immediately (laughs) smile or are in shock or say, whoa, and it strikes up a conversation. And you never know who you're going to meet. Yeah. Just by chatting with someone, I think we don't talk to people enough today. Yeah. Talking to people is it's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah. Isn't it funny? Because my kids, I, I'm a bit of a chatterbox. I'll talk to anyone. I'll go down to the local fruit shop and have a co- five-minute conversation with the guy loading the apples onto the shelves. And my kids get embarrassed by that. Oh, Dad. You know, and I, and I say to them, I say to them, you should talk to anyone because my my old man's a country boy, and that's who I learned it from. You know, he would he everyone knew my old man. You know, he'd walk down the street and g'day, Jeff, how's it going? And I guess that's the trait that I've got from him. And it's interesting, though, that my kids get embarrassed by that. And um, I wonder whether you're right, whether it's we are heading that way that you know we're going to bury our heads in televisions and and phone screens and and not know each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as long as we can translate that screen to a personal connection, it is a good tool as long as we then take that tool and make it human and personal and realize there are people behind the clicks. It's only one tool in the toolbox, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's used, isn't it? That's right. So, Lauren, um, we'll let you get back to your uh, the rest of your day. Um, if I think it's fair to say you're living a – it, it, it probably in your own mind and others looking at your stuff, you're living this beautiful, spiritual, idyllic lifestyle. If somebody is looking at that and saying they want to do that, but they're in their own way, they want to create their own idyllic world and do it in their own style and their own profession, 
If you were going to give them one piece of advice that you've learned in your journey thus far, what would you say that piece of advice would be? You get to make your own rules for how you want to live your life. Your life is yours to live. You, you get one. Unless you believe in reincarnation, but then we still don't know what kind of life we're going to get next. So <laughs> we get this consciousness, this body, one time, and we get to choose how we're going to be in the world. Every day when we wake up, it's a choice of how we're going to be that day. And so you can write your own book and follow your own path and choose the journey that you want to choose. I love my life. I spend a lot of time traveling and a lot of time trying new foods and sleeping in different places. And that's fine with me. It works very well for me, but I know it's not for everyone. Um, And so the real way I think to live a life of passion and a life that you love is to introspect a little bit and first say, well, wait, what do I love? What will make me feel alive? What will make me feel like I can be the best of myself every day in the world? And then do that. Beautiful. That's gold. Hey, uh, we're going to let you get on. Just um, to close up, you have your own range of jewelry and you have a, a little thing called postcards of love. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell us quickly what, what that, that postcards of love is and how that fits in with your website and how people can get in touch with you. Just, just sort of wrap us up. Absolutely. So postcards of love is a way to connect again on a more human level with people who follow me online. And so if they donate $5, I will send a postcard from where I am during my travels, a personalized postcard to whoever donates. And then I give the proceeds to help clean water initiatives around the world. So to help people get access to clean, safe drinking water. That is beautiful. So it's laurenruddick.com is where they find you. And then you've also got your Facebook page and Instagram. Is that, that, that's the best place for people to find you? Yeah, that's correct. And I'm Lauren Ruddick on Facebook and Instagram as well. Yep, cool. And we will put links through Lauren on the on our on our show notes, we'll put links through to your website, your Facebook, and your Instagram, so people can get in touch. Because you are looking at your website, you are heading to Costa Rica shortly, hmm. and mm-hmm. where else are you heading to? Bermuda, Bermuda? Den Haag, how cool uh, yeah, is that? Den Haag. I'll be in, I'm all over the place. Um, this winter, I'll be in Central America, so between Costa Rica, Panama, and Nicaragua. And then a tour of Western Canada in March with a snowboarding and skiing adventure yoga retreat mm. in some of the best powder <laughs> in Canada. So I'm super stoked about it. Oh, and then I'll see Europe after that. Yeah, nice. Lauren, it, I, I will tell you that if you can, we, we'd like to get you back on because we haven't even spoken about yoga. So if you're up for it, we'll find you somewhere in the world and get you back on you know, in a little while to, talk about specifically yoga and the value of yoga because I've got this visual in my mind of getting Robbo into the downward dog. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in. I'm in. Can we do that? (laughs) Let's do that, Robbo. Let's um, let's get Lauren back on in a little while and Mm. we'll do a show specifically on the value and sort of thinking behind all the bits that go with yoga, the bits behind it, and we'll uh, we will also take some tips out of that for the um, Cherry Brook uh, Under Eleven Rugby Team. What do you reckon? Absolutely, sounds like mm. a good idea. I love it. I'm, I'm down. You are you are so cool. We love you. We mm. we think you you <laughs> what you stand for, what you do is just 
just super. We love it. It's gold. Thanks for that. Thank you. Pleasure to talk to you. Likewise. And I'm looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, we will. Definitely. Okay, great. Do it. What an inspirational show that was. Yeah. I'm ready to go for the year now. It is a great show. And I think the thing I like about it is there are two, two different people that no one, none of our listeners would know probably. No. And both of them have taken something simple and are living the dream in two totally different directions. Um, mm. And I think for anybody listening, the important thing that this is that having the dream is one thing, but pulling back the covers or pushing back from the coffee table and doing something about it is taking the first step, no matter how small, just pull back the covers. Mm. That's the first step to getting anything done in order to work towards your dream. And the dream is one part, but the next part is picking the smallest step you can take immediately as soon as the show's finished mm. to move towards the dream. But um, yeah, I think it was a cracking show. I thought this both great stories, weren't they? Aren't they fantastic? Mm. Yeah, it's always nice to hear of people, and it was probably a bit the same with David last week too, who um, just, you know, decide they're going to do something and just rip into it and get into it rather yeah. than sort of sitting there picking their navel thinking, oh, well, next week I'll start or the week yeah. after or whatever. Someday I'll. Yeah, someday I will. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, we all dream of someday I'll. And I heard a great quote that I can finish the show with, Robbo. Um, one of the, uh, it was at the end, end of one of the gigs uh, in Tamworth um, over Australia Day, and... Um, I forget which band it was, but the lead singer said, hit the snooze button, folks, and keep on dreaming. Fantastic. Love it. Love it. Well, you know what I'm dreaming of? What's that? I'm dreaming of a big season. Oh, got- right. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. the boys have moved up, right? Under 12s. That's right. Under 12s. Pre-season kicks off tonight. Yeah, 6:30. right. Yeah, we're into it. Now, you also had some big news to share. that uh, that come through? Oh, I'm still waiting to hear. Ooh, I'm still okay. waiting to hear. Right. So it's a, it's, okay. a little bit, uh, it's a little bit on the QT, but um, yeah, I'm just... just Keeping it under my hat until I hear uh, officially. All right. Unofficially, I've had an answer, but officially, I'm waiting. Okay. Well, let's uh, we'll catch up on that, and we expect the next few weeks to hear what the dream is for the uh, for the Cherrybrook Under 12s, the big season ahead. We're uh, absolutely tell, tell, tell the kids we're rooting for them. I will indeed. I will indeed. In fact, um, we might see if we can get some permission from the club to record a few things with the kids and yeah, um, let's do it. Get it happening. Let's get their mojo working. Let's get their mojo working. That's yep. right. All right. Big show. Sign off. Out. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.